Grab those peanuts and Cracker Jacks, guys. We are going to a baseball game. First off, is the sport of baseball actually a ritual that shows man's place in the universe? And then we take a look at a bizarre story coming out of Chicago in 2013. When the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers were playing a game, is it possible someone actually flashed a spell in front of millions of viewers to change the course of the game? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover. So, play ball! We're going to get this. There's going to be a lot of those puns. Actually, that might be the only one, and it wasn't even a pun. I'm going to take my bat out, and I'm going to smack a ball. Cock! And it's going to be caught by one of our legacy Patreons, Ash Adams. Ash snatches that ball right out of the air. Pitch it back to me while I'm doing the rest of my intro. You're going to be our pilot this episode, our pitcher. If you can't support the Patreon, I totally understand that too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Hit the ball. It's going over. I'm not going to just be hitting balls. I'm like, hey guys, come listen to my podcast. It's going to be making me making ball noises for 30 minutes. But we are going to be talking about baseball, and I, it's funny, I've done a couple episodes recently about sports conspiracies. I'm actually surprised that it took me so long to get to these ones. I didn't know they existed, but I was looking pretty hard at sports conspiracies, and these just both kind of popped up on the same day. So, Ash Adams, let's hop in that Dead Rabbit dirigible. We're going to need an old-timey vehicle, because first off, we're going back in time. <laughs> going through the time vortex. We're going back to 1800s America. We see a bunch of people walking around with bats and balls. And then they put the balls down and they start clubbing each other with the bats. It's a very brutal time in American history. But when they're done destroying their enemies with these bats, we're going to take a quick look at the history of baseball. There was a bunch of different versions of baseball going on. You had the Massachusetts version. You had the New York version. I'm sure they had an Arizona version where they're just throwing dirt clods. Very short game. All the balls keep exploding. Depending on what state you were in, the rules were kind of played differently. There were similarities. Both New York and Massachusetts had the diamond, had the baseball diamond. It had a ball, obviously, and bases. The funniest thing, though, was, you know, the version we know today is the New York version. And in the New York version, you have to run along the baseline you to from home to first base to second base. There's that line you can you really can't deviate off of. In the Massachusetts version, you could run anywhere you wanted to. You could totally, like, if someone's on first base, you're like, ah, and you're, like, running off into the outfield, and people are constantly throwing balls way out there to get you. Everyone must have had really, really good upper body strength. You just run wherever you're up in the stands. You're like, ah, I can't get me. You could. You could do whatever. Okay, maybe not the stands, but you could run anywhere you wanted in the field. You're changing your uniform real quick. You come out as a player on the other team. Huh? What's going on? They got rid of that. (laughs) The New York version was like, no, we don't do that. We don't put up with that tomfoolery. The reason why they settled on the New York version, because it was easier to bet on. And you could put side bets on during uh, pretty much any point in the game. Hey, I bet you this guy's going to hit a grounder to the left field. Oh, yeah, I bet you 10 bucks. It was was considered a kid's game for a long time until betting came into it. Now, here's... I have to go off on this because I thought this was funny, too. This has nothing to do with the episode, but this has just become a sports podcast today. Ash Adams is like, great, this is the episode I'm on. I don't even like baseball. Yeah, you do, Ash. Yeah, you do. 
But this next part has nothing to do with baseball. American baseball is older than American football, but football apparently goes back to the medieval times, right? And I thought this was hilarious. This was the old version of football back in medieval Europe. You'd have two towns. It's funny because you can see the parallels, obviously, to today. Well, obviously, there's two towns, but you'd have two towns, right? And you, you had unlimited players, so one group may have bring out their 13 biggest guys in town. The other town could bring out literally like two, 300 people and be like, ha, we know the Black Plague decimated your team last year, but we still got 200 people. And they would take an animal's bladder and they would inflate it with air. Whose job was that? <laughs> Whose job was that to blow into the sheep lung? And then they would try to get it to the other person's town. Which again, <laughs> How long do these games last? They're like, it's day three of game one. And you would run from your town, like you would start in the middle, and then you would get this inflated sheep bladder, or whatever it was, and you would have to run it to their town. Now, you would pick where you wanted your goal to be. You had to jump over a couple of pigs or whatever, that's our end zone. But the example that Wikipedia gave was, for example, people may use the local church as their end zone. Which is which is the best end zone ever, right? They're doing mass. You're running. You're running in with a sheet bladder during mass. You're knocking nuns over. You spike it right on the altar. The coach gets a bucket of holy water dumped on him. That it, that would be. I would watch every medieval football game possible if that was still in effect. If I lived in medieval times and I was able to walk from town to town, they're like, oh great, turnover. You got to walk all the way back to your own town. But anyways, that has nothing to do with baseball i would just have no other opportunity to talk about that and i found that hilarious okay so (laughs) i've gone off topic let's go back to baseball we're sitting in the stands we're eating popcorn and stuff like that we're watching these guys play baseball out in the field now according to there's a website called southern cross review and on this website there is an article written by hannah mg shapiro called Baseball as an Esoteric Ritual. This is an interesting one because it could be one of those exercises where you can literally take anything and find really deep meaning in it. Or there could be something else here. But before we get into Hannah's thing, I want to talk about this too. I saw this video on a YouTube channel called Catholic Breakfast. And he was talking about, again, there's this dude talking about a deeper meaning in baseball. And that was interesting because he said most sports are designed as competition, like that medieval town thing. Where like hockey and basketball and football and soccer, you have two pieces of territory and you're trying to get something into the enemy territory or get something into your territory, into your hoop type of thing. He said baseball is the only main sport that's not like that, at least in America. Where you're not trying to get into the enemy's territory. He actually said it's interesting because it's one of those sports where the other team is not the enemy. The ball is the enemy. You're trying to get that ball as far out. That ball's coming towards you and you're trying to hit it and you're trying to get as far away from you as possible. And there happens to be obstacles who are the players. But they're not the exact adversary. You're never invading their territory in that sense as we think of football or basketball or things like that. But going back to Hannah, she said that uh, baseball is played in a perfect geometric square. Other sports are played in a giant rectangle. So right there, baseball is already separate. And also from that one video, you're not going into the enemy's territory to be messing with them. 
there's four bases, and those four bases are supposed to represent the four elements. Now, home is obviously supposed to represent Earth. She says it's because it's dusty. I just think that you're just kind of reaching to that point. I just think the very sense that it's called home base. And basically, the ritual is this. God, or fate, is throwing a ball towards you. And you have to use all of your inner strength to move that ball away from you, out into the universe. And then you travel through the universe. The third base is supposed to be that represents fire, because it's known as the hot turn. But no one knows what the other two bases are supposed to be. I've read several websites, and they go, home is earth, and third base is fire, and they just go on to the next paragraph. I'm like, what about first and second? So you could say water, wind, however you want to organize that. But the point is, is that the picture is basically God's messenger throwing out esoteric secrets towards you, man. Then you have to run through the cosmos and get back home with the knowledge you've gained while you were traveling around. It's fascinating. I mean, it obviously could just be reaching too far. They also have this whole thing about how there's three strikes, there's three outs, there's nine innings, there's nine players without the designated hitter. So you have all those things. There's four balls, but you could say, yeah, there's just four. Sometimes four appears too, but three strikes, three outs, nine innings. It's also one of the very few sports games. It's funny, recently when I did my episode about uh, naked baseball, a lot of you guys responded saying, baseball already takes forever. If you had to have sex at every single base, it would go on forever. It's one of the few sports that has no time limit. Almost every sport has a clock going. A baseball game can be as short or as long as it needs to be. If you have three up, three down, three up, three down, three up, three down, over and over and over again, you can have a baseball game done in what, an hour? Like if one team gets one hit and then everyone else is just three up, three down, three up, three down. Or they could go on for eight hours. Because it's not about the time. There is no time limit. You play until the game is done or until it's like called for rain or until the heat depth of the universe. But there's no time limit to it. So it's, that's another interesting thing about the sport of baseball. It's interesting because when I was thinking about this story, I thought, you're right. Baseball kind of reminds you of the hero's journey. Where it's one person, football, basketball, all those other sports, their two teams are going at it. You have one person going out onto that base, and that person is versus the entire team. All these obstacles out there in life. You hit it as far as you can, and you can get to home if you hit a home run, but even if you just get on first base, the game is still then that next person who steps up to the plate, who can assist you in getting back home. The game is centered on that one person on home plate trying to hit that ball. So it's like that hero, you're you're taking that journey. It is very esoteric. A lot of times this stuff when they go like, oh, television, get it? Tell a vision. It's all about story. That's not where that comes from. Tele is over distance and vision is because I can see it. So sometimes you can really make these things overwrought. This one actually kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that baseball is such an odd sport when compared to these other ones, that there could be some sort of esoteric meaning behind it. Hannah, when she was writing this article, it could have been tongue-in-cheek, because it's titled as an esoteric ritual, not is an esoteric ritual. One is a statement saying, this is what I believe. The other one is like, oh, you can look at baseball under this lens. But I do think if you step back and look at the game of baseball, it does seem very ritualistic. Now, all sports have rituals, 
But this one is so different from the other major sports. Yeah, I'm sure rollerblading might represent man's place floating through the cosmos or something like that. But I think even they have like time clocks. You're, you're actively working against one team versus another. Things like that. Baseball is one man versus the universe. Wait, universe. One against. Whoa. Dude, did I just blow everyone's mind, including my own? What if the universe is really the story of us, singular, trying to figure our way out of it? Like, we basically each create our own universe of obstacles. That's why it's called the universe. You're like, Jason, that's, that's not even close. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm taking you out of my universe. I've just forgotten about you. You're like, no. You fade away. I like you. I bring you back into reality. You, you realize the void was real in those brief seconds. You're never going to mess with me again. But anyways, you can do it with anything, obviously. You can pick any any word. You could Any show, you could say Smurfs is really a representation of man's place on the evolutionary scale, and everyone's a Gargamel, whatever, like, you can do all sorts of stuff, but this one actually is pretty weird, like, I gotta give him credit for that. So, tip of the hat to you, tip of the baseball hat to you, Hannah, but that's not all I have for you today, because while that's just kind of a, this is an interesting, some facts about baseball and or football, as I was researching that, I came across this story. Ash Adams, let's hop in that carpenter copter, we're headed out to Chicago. We're flying around the beautiful city of Chicago. Nice and high, we're waving. Kanye West is pissing on his Grammy. How have I not talked about that yet? I guess you guys are like, that's not what your podcast is about. Anyways, we're waving hi to Kanye West. We're flying around. We're going to land in Chicago. We're going to see the sights. And then we're going to go see a baseball game. The Chicago Cubs versus the Brewers. This is June 25th, 2013. They lose against the Brewers 9-3. to Next day, Bob Vorwald, who's a journalist, covers sports for WGN, writes an article for their website called Spell I-94 Bound. And he talks about, hey, listen, the Cubs have lost 19 of their past 21 games against Milwaukee, and they've lost the past nine in a row. These things are not good for them. Is it time to cast a spell on Miller Park? So then Bob Vorwald tells a story about back in 1988, he was hanging out with the Houston Astros. And they had lost 11 straight games. And he's like, oh man, this totally sucks. I actually couldn't tell if he was a player. Because I was looking through their roster. I think he was just a sports reporter in Houston at the time. But the Houston Astros had lost 11 games straight. So he's walking down the street. And he's like, oh man, that totally sucks. And he says that he feels himself be drawn into a bookstore. He walks into the bookstore. And he feels himself pulled down this particular aisle. And he finds a book on the occult. At this point in the article, there's a picture, and it's a fo- it's from deposit photos. It's a stock image of various occultic imagery. So you have the all-seeing eye, you have the eye of Osiris, a Freemasons logo, pentagram, and inverted pentagram. It looked like a either for clip art or one of those sheets you would see at a tattoo parlor. It was just a white sheet with a, probably about thirty different random occultic images on there. And then the article continues. So you have this image. He doesn't reference it in the article. He literally just got some stock photo and put it in this article. He says when he's reading this book, he finds a spell on how to put a curse on your enemies. And he chuckles and he goes, let's do this. 
let's do this. The Houston Astros have lost 11 games in a row. What do we have to lose other than a 12th game? So he assembles the ingredients for the spell. He needs three twigs from three different trees. You have to spit on them. You take him to where you're going to go. He added that part. That part wasn't in the spell book. You were just really like spitting on stuff. He goes to the Houston Astros Stadium, and there he's joined by two fellow, quote, co-warlocks. They're actually players for the Houston Astros at the time, Larry Anderson and Dave Smith. They spit on the twigs. He's like, yeah, guys, you're supposed to spit on them nice and slow. Yeah, no, slower, Larry. Yeah, get a nice, big, big, gooey one. (laughs) They're like, what? It's part of the spell. It's part of the spells. His eyes shift from side to side as he licks his lips. They um, spit on the twigs, they light them on fire, and then they do this incantation. At that point, one of the, they really do this. At that point, one of the other players comes out and tells them to knock it off. Quit doing that stuff. It's kind of creepy and it's dumb as well. And also, why do you keep wanting me to spit and stuff, Bob? He's like, what? It's part of my journalism career. You just got to spit in the cup. It makes the article so much better. He said that that night, the Houston Astros won the game, and the player who came out, who poo-pooed the whole thing, pulled a hamstring at his first at-bat and didn't get to play. And he go he, he finishes the article with this. You will also notice that the winning pitcher that night was Nolan Ryan. Always a good idea when casting a spell to have a Hall of Famer scheduled to pitch, unquote. So kind of t- tongue-in-cheek, right? Saying, yeah, we did this spell, and it was kind of funny. The guy who made fun of us. Pulled a hamstring, and then, you know, I went back there and uh, took care of him. <laughs> Put a tube in his mouth and took out all of his spit. Told him it would help his ham- hamstring. I'm making up his spit fetish. Don't sue me, Bob. But he goes, you know, yeah, we cast a spell, but we also had the one of the best pitchers in baseball history there. So, you know, what are you going to do? So he writes this article, and it's kind of a funny one. And in the middle of the article, he has that picture of stock image photo of just different symbols. So that article came out on June 26th. The first game was June 25th. He writes this article on June 26th. That night, Cubs lose 4-5. to five. So the Cubs still lose. What are you going to expect? At this point, they have lost 11 straight games against the Brewers. So their losing streak continues. June 27th, though, the day after the article came out, the day after the Cubs lost yet again, they're playing baseball. One last time, the Cubs and the Brewers and the Cubs win 7-2. to two. And in the middle of the broadcast, the screen goes black. But it doesn't really go black. It goes blue. Bluish black. There's some sort of weird overlay image. And on top of that is the stock photo sheet of occultic symbols. While the game is being broadcast out of Chicago, this is going on. And you hear the commentators. They see it too. You hear the commentators go, I have no idea what that is. And then the other commentator says, apparently the baseball gods did know. The image disappears. The baseball game is back up. I had to work really, really hard to find any proof of this. Because what happened was I started seeing screenshots of these weird symbols appearing during this baseball game. And I'd read this article, and they would say, click here for the video, and you click on it, and there would be no video for it. Before It News is a website, which is the equivalent of the Daily Star. They just publish a ton of nonsense. They actually took their article down about this, which made me think that it must be fake. 
Because when I first came into the story, I had heard that there these images were flashed during a baseball game and there was like a blurry still photo. So I had to go back. I found this article. I had to really go back and try to piece it. First off, I didn't know if it was real, if it was just a screenshot. Someone made it up. And then I find this whole story about Bob Vorwald, you know, talking about casting the spell in 1988 and things like that. It took me a long time to research the story, longer than normal, longer than normal. A lot of times I'm able to get all the information I need very quickly on this stuff. Then I just kind of fill out the details. I spent a long time trying to track down this video. It doesn't exist in a pure form. Very, very weird for something that happened in 2013. The internet was in the full swing of things. That was only seven years ago. YouTube taken down, YouTube channel taken down, the video not existing. I eventually found it in a 12-minute long video. The last, about nine minutes into a 12-minute long video, it plays. There is no clip of it in existence. You have to watch this video. I actually have it. If you go to my show notes, you'll see the YouTube video. It's queued up. So you don't have to listen to the rest of the video. You can. I mean, it's just that basic thing like Illuminati, the controlling the world, stuff like that. So the video itself, the clip itself, though, I couldn't find anywhere. I had to find it included in this. What my theory is, is that some, this this, is tracking all of this back. This is my theory. WGN was broadcasting the game, and apparently this image appeared on Dish TV as well, but they would have been, or Dish Network, they would have been getting their signal from WGN, who was videotaping the game. That dates me. Who was broadcasting the game. I bet you somebody at WGN had read that article, clipped that image out, and then as a joke, put it on the screen, and it wasn't supposed to be broadcast. They may have put it on the screen for the people in the control room to see. Or for Bob to see, you think it would be funny? But it accidentally got broadcast. Because these symbols, people have said, oh, this is proof of the Illuminati, so they're using their magical powers to control games. First off, if the Illuminati controls the world, why do they care whether or not the Cubs win? Or the Cubs would always win. If the Illuminati control the world and they could do whatever they wanted, why don't they just have one team win all the time, right? Why would they have different teams win? But anyways... Also, why would they use a deposit? Because I tracked down the actual image. I was actually going to use it for the episode, the stock image, but I didn't want to pay. I didn't want to pay five dollars for it, right? So I didn't. But it's literally just a bunch of a mishmash of. There are occultic images, but if that's all it takes, is just you can literally get a clip art book to cast a spell. Then again, everyone would be doing it. I don't think that the Illuminati was using a spell to cast on this game. I think someone at WGN saw that image earlier when that article was published and thought it would be funny to pull a prank, but didn't mean for it to get broadcast. But it did get broadcast. And and so on that level, I think it has a very, very plausible answer. The question is, did that affect the Cubs winning the game? There's actually a lot of questions here, because while I accept that as the skeptical answer, because that's what the evidence shows. You have this image being shown in this article. It's a bunch of mishmash. There are different occultic ideologies, a pentagram and an inverted pentagram. Like, wouldn't that just knock it out? And then you have, I mean, you could obviously tell it's just a proof sheet. But why did someone work so hard to delete all of the video footage of this stuff? Why did Before It News take down their article on it? They published garbage on that website, right? Why did they take it down? You can really only find a few sources on this. You can find 
An article on Patch.com written by Mike Pazinski called Occult Symbols Flash on Screen During Brewer's Game. That was the first article that popped up for me, and honestly, it was pretty much the last. Like, that's the last place out there that has all this information. You have that, and then you have him linking out to other places, and the links don't work. There was another website called Silence's Acceptance, and that is where I found the video embedded that nine minutes into it actually had the clip that I wanted. This is one of those stories where it's not the story itself that makes me believe in it. It's the cover-up that makes me believe in it. This information should be out there everywhere. The fact that somebody has gone through the trouble to copyright strike these videos, to have these articles taken down, to really make it very hard to find information on. Very, very weird. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. It's not the fact that a cold images appeared during a baseball game, which is weird in and of itself. But the fact that someone has gone through a lot of trouble to keep that information hidden. That is what I find so disturbing about this story. Yeah, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. So was it a harmless prank? Or was it a spell cast during an already esoteric ritual? What happens when you combine two forms of magic at once and show it to millions of people? We don't know the answer to that. But we know someone is trying to keep us from discovering this story. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.